0: This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons, Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Here's the way I'm thinking about this, okay? The processes as such are that if Jeff Saturday can become head coach of an NFL team from an ESPN studio, if someone can win $2 billion or so via a $2 Powerball ticket, and if the Cardinals can score a touchdown in the first quarter, then boom, you're darn and we can go ahead and podcast here on Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation, Paul Calvisi, Danny Sarek. Darren Urban, Darren, how are you? uh, Considering you're coming fresh off the mailbag, are you good? You good?
1: My first thought was you mentioned the Powerball. I saw something that said if they take the cash, that after taxes, and it was close to two billion. Correct. The guy they're only collecting like six thirty-eight.
2: Well, just my luck. I was planning on getting a ticket today after work, so joke's on me.
0: Yeah. So I, I saw it. Was, Not that six hundred thirty-eight well, million isn't bad, but right, so that let's seems do like the quick math. If you take the cash payout, it was just under a billion. So then, if you account for taxes, is that how they come up uh, with the I actual? Don't know. Like the actual it was a depo- tweet. The actual deposit into your account would yes, be six hundred plus six hundred thirty-eight
1: million dollars.
2: Would you gotcha. guys still be here if you won that? Yes, I believe that. Unfortunately, Darren.
1: We've, I've had this conversation many times with many different coworkers over the years. Would I be here like for another five years? I don't know. but would I be here tomorrow, yeah I would through be the here season? I would uh, oh yeah.
2: I wouldn't leave you guys high and dry, but no promises about next year.
0: You, you would have. Your life would be such a living mess, now ultimately in a good way, but initially it would be such a mess on so many different fronts you can't anticipate. You wouldn't have time for work. It would be a full-time job trying to deal and handle and orchestrate your new status as a billionaire. Why? Because everything that goes with it. Can you imagine? But see, that's the thing. that would be hit, hit from every angle? Okay,
1: you would be hit from every angle, and I might have to change a phone number, but I mean, ultimately... <laughs> You don't. It only means you got to do what you. I mean, you don't have to change your life. You don't have to go quit your job. You don't have to get some giant mansion. You guys would
2: not be able to reach me. I'd be in Europe for at least oh, a year.
0: We can barely reach you as it is. Though. Let's be <laughs> honest here. So there was a tweet from some guy. I don't know who it was. Uh, just some guy, and it was on the human psyche, right? So fact, there's a one in five chance of dying from heart disease. The typical human reaction is, "It'll never happen to me." There's a 1 in 300 million chance of winning Powerball and the human reaction is, <laughs> "Hey, you never know." That is so <laughs> you never so know. accurate. <laughs> that is Oh my gosh, people choose and select how they want to think and where they want to go ahead and put the hope and the skepticism and that is a great example uh, thereof. So, here we go. Cardinals Underground talking about week 10. Uh, speaking of the mathematics of it all, uh, we'll entertain it for a moment. Where are the Cardinals in your minds? I mean, are we talking a Powerball long shot to make the playoffs? Or are you still looking in this division? Because, look, the wild card, I don't care how down the NFC is. And by the way, only two of the seven playoff teams from a year ago have winning records. You realize that. The Eagles at 8-0 and the Dallas Cowboys at 6-2. Otherwise, there's a lot of carnage, especially among last year's playoff participants. But I'm thinking, okay, if, if there is any sort of path and you're trying to do the math right now, it's got to go through the division. And guess what? You still have a game against the Rams straight ahead, and then you have two, less, two left against probably the division favorite 49ers at this point, right? Although it's not so much about where you're at. I think it's how you got here. Not to get too philosophical, it's how you got here and how you get out of this. What do you do going forward? Right? Doesn't it? I mean, we can look at three and six, but you got to figure out how did you get in this spot? And is there any realistic chance you can change your trajectory at this point?
2: I don't want to sound like Darren, but not only being three and six, you're 0 and three against the division. So this is the do or die situation for the Cardinals these next two weeks, really this week. Because Seattle swept you. You lost your first matchup against the Rams. So you absolutely have to win this game. And you have to beat the 49ers the first time in Mexico City. And the second time, well, I mean, by that point, when they play them again at the end of the season, things could very likely already be decided about whether or not this is a playoff team or not. But these next two weeks are truly do or die for the Cardinals. I believe that if you don't win both of these next two divisional games, you're not even playing for the playoffs at that point. You're just playing to basically for pride at that point, keep your job moving forward.
1: I mean, I, I felt all along that this stretch, they had to win two out of three. So if you lose the first one, that
0: there you go, you,
1: you got to win the next two. Um, and, and as I'm sure we're going to get into, <laughs> the Cardinals are not necessarily going to be at full strength going into these games and, and everybody's got that problem. The Rams have got offensive line problems themselves, but um you know, it's it's a it's not a great place to be in right now, but that's the position they put themselves in.
0: I mean, if you're gonna run the same interior O line out there against Aaron Donald, look out. It's a serious issue based on this last game. The Cardinals defense minus Buda Baker, not good. Now it isn't a big sample size. He missed a couple of games in 2018 the Steve Wilkes year. The only other game in recent memory that he has He has missed, was against Carolina the COVID season, week four at Carolina, and that was an abysmal defensive performance. I'll get into some of those numbers a little bit later, but even the end of the playoff game, when Buda isn't out on the field, it just, the Cardinals' defense doesn't look right. So I'm absolutely terrified about what the Cardinals' defense is going to look like against Sean McVay. I hate to say it. I mean, we know the track record against Sean McVay to start with. The Cardinals' okay. football IQ on that side of the ball doesn't look good against the Sean McVay offense to begin with. And your human eraser in so many ways is Buda Baker. And if he's going to miss one, maybe two games here.
1: With an ankle injury, yeah.
0: reportedly, as we record this. That's going to be a serious challenge. So, um, look, <laughs> where do the Cardinals go from here? I-, I would say this. What the Cardinals need to do collectively is basically what Geno Smith did in this last game. He threw a pick six, and somehow, someway, he responded with three straight long touchdown drives and basically played flawless football after that pick six. He, he ramped up his game and responded accordingly. That's what the Cardinals need to do. If they're looking for some sort of example to follow at this point, guess what? Geno Smith just modeled it for him there in week nine.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that they'd necessarily be looking at Geno Smith for hit maybe zoom, inspiration.
0: Hit zoom out, and I'm just saying <laughs> it, that's, you know.
2: No, I get your point. I get your point.
0: I, I, I guess to go a little further, you know, you look at the way the team played at times. There was a four-game stretch of this defense not allowing more than 20 points in a game. Now they've gone three straight games of allowing 30-plus. Uh, the beginning of the year, the first month of the year, they're among the season leaders in fewest flags and turnovers. Now look at the last couple of games. Things have regressed in certain areas. So not only do you have a fact that you've lost 11 out of your last 15 games, and that's what I mean, your trajectory, but there's also the little things within that. Things that you were doing well, things that amounted to a winning brand of football have now escaped you.
2: I wonder how much of that, specifically about that defense the last couple of games and the increase in points a lot, how much is that, how much of that comes off the fact that they are just not coming off the field, that this offense is just constantly having three and outs and that the defense is not having time to rest up. Because I feel like with the exception for the most part of the saints game, which new Orleans kind of dominated in the beginning against the Cardinals defense, the Cardinals' defense has looked significantly better to me at the start of those games. And then when you get to the end and it's they've just been on the field for so long, that's obviously going to be harder when you're trying to stop a Kenneth Walker from running down your throat all game.
1: I, I don't disagree, but I do fall in that camp. I mean, the only thing, as the Cardinals' offense unfortunately has proven, the only thing promised to an offense when they get the ball barring a turnover is three plays before you punt. I mean— if the Cardinals' defense doesn't want to be out there, make them punt after three plays and they won't be out there. I mean, the problem, the only way you get worn down is is, is if the other team has the ball for you know, 70 yards and 10 plays. And the only way they have 10 plays is if they keep converting first downs on you. I mean, what, what was the deal that the Seattle after that turnover had like seven straight third down com- uh, conversions?
0: That's correct. Yeah. Their last seven, they converted 10 of 15 I on mean, the game, four or four in the red zone. So every, uh,
1: every one of those, you was, I'd have to go back and look, but for the most part, you're thinking, Hey, if you stop one of those, you might get a punt or a field goal. And instead they kept the drives alive and you're out there
0: longer. Yeah. The Cardinals defense gave up drives after the pick six of 75, 81, and 85 yards. So they couldn't get off the field. And look, you can can look at the total yards, and, and I think most of us dismiss that these days. And I know Vance Joseph to some degree does, in favor at least of third down red zone and then takeaways. In all three areas, Cardinals were not good on defense against Seattle. Allowed 10 of 15 on third down, 4 of 4 red zone. (laughs) You talk about the Robbie Anderson drop. Cardinals had two drops on defense, Byron Murphy and Tanner Vallejo. And those obviously would have been game changers. Captain Obvious over here because the very next play in each sequence was a third down touchdown pass. So the defense has a lot to look at in the mirror with themselves, the way they've been playing.
2: Maybe this is the team that they can turn things back around because the Rams are averaging just 16 points per game. They're 31st in the league in the run game. I mean, this might be, I mean, even without Buda Baker, this might be a game where the defense can still kind of hold their own and keep a minute. I mean, the first time around in week three, they contained wide receiver Cooper Cup to a season-low four catches for 44 yards.
0: The Rams
1: only had 20 points
0: in that game.
2: They, This defense has done it before.
0: They've only scored more than 20 points in one game this year. That's the, crazy. The Rams. It's that, hard to believe. They just played a game against Tampa where they had eight, three and outs. Think about that. Think about a, a Rams team that is struggling right now. Uh, Tom Brady, by the way, just beat the Rams at the very end. His fifty-fifth game-winning drive that breaks an all-time tie with Peyton Manning for most in NFL history. So, but you know what? The Rams are in a similar spot with the Cardinals. There, was, there was a quote from their starting center Brian Allen, who's been in and out of the lineup this year. And, man, would the Cardinals love to have Rodney Hudson back at this point. But, of course, he's not going to make it back this week either, is he, Darren? Darren Hudson, right? What's the reason of not
2: putting him on IR? I mean, at this point, maybe it's too late, but how many games? He's missed four games now, right? With that knee?
1: I mean, the only only thing that makes sense when you're saying why not put him on IR is you were thinking he was going to be back by now. And he's not. And, you know, I— I don't know what else to say with with, with that situation. I mean, if, if his knee is hurting, and I do, when, I, when I've when i seen him at games and I see him walking around, I mean, it's not super pronounced. But again, we've talked about this. He He has a limp. That would seem to me an issue if you're talking about trying to play on it or trying to block Aaron freaking Donald. So I wouldn't expect it. And let's face it, the center position – is an issue right now with this team and and what they're going to do
0: without riding hudson i mean based on what you've seen the last two games with billy price who's great with the media and early impressions a great guy but it hasn't gone very well both in terms of some false starts which i think have been caused by the center you know just watching him and for some reason the ball is either not getting snapped on time or the ball is getting moved and other guys obviously aren't in sync. You had eight pre-snap penalties and you had four false starts. So, you know, if Sean Harlow is your starting center against the Rams, I would not be shocked, not at all. Now, Sean Harlow wasn't playing all that great, and the there's a reason they made that change. But at this point, I don't know. I... He wasn't an absolute starter, in the words of Cliff Kingsbury, to start this game week, Billy Price. So I'm not sure you don't. Well, he did say probably. He said probably, but and and that doesn't. I'm just saying it wasn't
1: absolute. But again, the thing that bothers me is you didn't bench Sean Harlow because he was hurt. You benched him because you didn't think he was doing the job, and then you bring in. I I mean, I'll be very curious to see what happens. I is it
0: possible to play worse than Sean Harlow though? Because at times in this last game, I'd say yes. I guess that's uh, my I, point. Again,
1: no, I, I'm not I'm not saying that that I would close the door on potentially making a change back to Sean Harlow from Billy Price. But I again it just kinda shows you where they are. And this do, this isn't even getting in I mean, I, I think Cody Ford's struggling a little bit. Sure.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
2: And right. now you're gonna have rookie Lucita Smith
1: yeah, at right guard. Hopefully Max Garcia is healthy enough to play. But I mean again. Max Garcia was a guy who was supposed to be a backup, and you're talking about him like he's supposed to be a savior when he comes back in the
0: lineup. Although he does have experience against 99, so he's got that going for him, at least over the rookie, LaSita Smith, sixth rounder out of Virginia Tech this year. Uh, Ram center Brian Allen, by the way, and I quote, we've got a choice to make. We can lay down or figure it out. Uh, you know what? That goes for the Arizona Cardinals, I'd say. Hashtag ditto. I'd say that goes for the Cardinals right now, as both teams have lost four out of five. And you got a Cardinals team that we've mentioned the defense. Here's the stat without Buda Baker um, in that game against Carolina because he missed that 2020 game. If I actually uh, put it down here, and did I or did I not? Uh, Maybe I didn't. No, here it is. Here it is. Cardinals in that game. Oh, boy. Carolina had 444 total yards, 168-yard rushing. That's without Christian McCaffrey. They had scoring drives of 13, 9, 10, 8, and 15 plays, four drives of 75-plus yards, dominated time of possession, and on third down they went 7 of 11. And in the red zone they went 4 of 5. And the Cardinals had uh, no sacks in that last game against Carolina. The only reason I bring that up is because that was minus Buda Baker. And after the game, to a man, a lot of guys just said they felt discombobulated without their one of their team captains if i recall
1: correctly weren't they missing both safeties wasn't jalen thompson not playing that Mm, game either i don't know because he
0: was hurt but energy and intensity was definitely an issue in that game it was about as dead as that stadium during covid there was barely anyone in that stadium so who is buddha's replacement and what do they do is it automatically chris banjo or do they do some sort of hybrid defense with my guy Isaiah Simmons. there it is playing some sort of safety. It took us until week ten to really, truly work it into the podcast. Good job in a genuine way. But there it is. Isaiah Simmons may be coming in with Jalen Thompson. And there's your safety pairing, perhaps
2: it's possible. Um, I don't unless there's somebody out there who was like waived or you got a free agent or you can bring someone in. but
1: I mean, like Jonathan Abram, possibly mm interesting but did again, that not cross your mind I, I guess it kind of did again if you take them who you, I guess you could find somebody to cut off the roster um I I would think that Simmons would be uh, a possibility although I noticed that uh Isaiah Simmons at this point has only played nine snaps at safety this year he's actually played more snaps at slot corner than anything else which I thought was interesting
2: wow. well and thinking about if if you have Isaiah playing more of that safety role and looking at linebackers, is has there do you know any update on um, Nick Vigil with his hamstring?
0: Well,
1: has he missed four games yet? Because he's I on believe he a, has. Uh, they just haven't. I mean, they um, designated have, him to return. They would have to activate him. I mean, again, I think you have some options. Trev- uh, Trayvon Mullen has not played a bunch of defensive back, but you could use him potentially to to move some guys around. I mean, again, I. I think we we have to see kind of where everybody stands besides just Buddha. But I mean, if Buddha's down, you literally only right now only have two safeties on the active roster. Uh, You do have a a guy on the on the practice squad and his name uh, Josh Thomas, maybe I'm trying to remember what his name is off the top of my head. And that's terrible. But um, and and so uh, I I do think you're going to have to make some. But to me, doesn't Simmons doing more of that make some sense? Absolutely.
0: No, absolutely does. And you know what? They've used Isaiah. I wonder how many times off the edge they have used Isaiah Simmons. I don't know if you saw that. It was a handful.
1: The the most was a slot corner, and then he spent some time off the edge. um, And then actually, he's been technically a defensive lineman because of where they're lining him up. But.
0: Because, I mean, it was hard not to notice that Ben Neiman and Tanner Vallejo got a lot of reps that did sign linebacker in this last game. And you saw Isaiah Simmons either in the slot or off the edge. And that's two games in a row he's made a big play off the edge. And Zayvon Collins off the edge. I think he did better against the Seahawks than he did against the Vikings. I talked a little bit about that Vikings game. And he, he had a couple of mistakes he admitted to uh, in setting the edge and, and keeping contain as, as that outside edge guy. He's learning when they put him out there that's brand new to him. But out of necessity – he need someone off the edge so look uh there are certain parts that you are You look being exhausted, Paul. <laughs> you just looking exhausted. Do. It's just I, I it's don't It's going to be okay, Paul. It's whether it's the personnel and the injuries which have been devastating. I know what 2 weeks ago you you tweeted out that stat that analytic that the Cardinals have missed more man games or because of injuries in any team and it certainly certainly they have to be still as the most impacted team in that category but it goes way beyond that it's the self-inflicted stuff that won't go away it's Kelvin Beecham after the game saying Cardinals beating Cardinals and that continues and by the way Kelvin Beecham if he was running for office today on election day midterm 2022 I would vote for Kelvin Beecham no matter what office he's running for I'm just saying that right here that's I think how much respect he commands in that locker room but what I'm not buying and I don't want to go off on a rant here is when the whole it's not happening in practice. That what's? Well, because
2: your practice isn't a game.
0: It's not even close to a game here in 2022. One of your main practices has now become a walkthrough, and the other practices, everybody now, it's not full pads, full contact. It's not football, not game day football. I mean, it's it's beyond apples to oranges. It's like, I don't know, apples to rainbows, apples to. <laughs> catalytic converters you know i mean apples to rainbows apples to starfish just choose something that's diametrically opposed and completely different than apples that's how different not to go sound like alan iverson around here about practice but i mean it's not even close so i i just i I can't roll my eyes fast enough when i start hearing the we got to ramp up you know what's going on in practice and because it's not happening in practice but then it happens in the games well there's really no comparison is anybody else with me on that
2: no I agree with you and that's what I've been saying about since week one hearing we needed better practice habits and more sense of urgency of I mean these these are all pro- and these are all professional athletes so if it, the sense of urgency should come from you and you should know what you need to be getting out of practice to succeed in the games it's it's a little mind-boggling.
1: I'm not gonna argue. I mean, I I've had this, like here's here's I even go back to the training camp stuff, which is this. I, I don't I don't really care what people decide to do. I mean, if if there's, you know, if if there's walkthroughs, if if guys aren't playing in preseason games, that's fine. Now, to me, you don't you don't get to sit and say. Now, there's a little bit different between these two things. In the in training camp, I don't want to hear. After the regular season starts, we're rusty. We haven't played in preseason games. Well, that's that's I, that you don't get to say that because you your plan was to not be there, so you have to be ready right away. So you don't get to say I'm rusty or whatever. And then with this part of it and the practice part, I, I mean, it's almost it's the opposite thing, which is they're n- they're not actually blaming practice. They're just saying they don't understand why everything they do right in practice isn't translating. Now you can argue,
0: as you have. Yeah. Because practice is not a game. It's apples to rainbows. It's not even close. That's my point. And, and I just... But when you I, say I think that it's, it's, a, not it's not even do, close, does it matter it, what they're a, doing
1: during the week? Oh, sure. Uh,
0: yes, it would. Um, but when you're saying that practice doesn't translate to the game, uh, you know, I... It's too much of a leap to make these days. I don't think you can draw any serious, concrete conclusions. I would, off practice. I would agree that. I, I hate to say. It. I've always agreed with that, yeah. though. Yeah. Well, but yeah.
1: and that goes before Cliff Kingsbury showed up. Sure, I've been doing this for Absolutely. twenty plus years. Right, I've thought that the whole time. Yeah.
0: Now, I know Drew Stanton was pretty forthright on this week's Red Sea report, and I guess the Hard Knocks cameras were in here recording all that with Craig Reehlou and Kyle Van Bosch and, and he was just talking about how they this, don't want us, Paul. The situational. Football. Who who did you cheese off at Hard Knocks and NFL films over there? You know, Darren. My goodness.
1: Why why does it? How do you know it's not staying away from Danny? Yeah. True. Oh, I don't come
0: know.
2: on. Be a little more believable than that.
0: <laughs> Maybe <laughs> the the situational <laughs> the situational football Drew was talking about yes. was uh is has been lacking obviously and and how the Cardinals should not be okay with the same players making the same mistakes. That if they can't trust you to not repeat the same mistakes, then someone new needs to be in there.
2: Mm. <laughs> huh, Paul? Because isn't that what they have done with bringing in Robbie Anderson and AJ Green? And I'm not saying it's worked, but if you're talking about the keep mis- the same mistakes continuing to happen week after week, and and maybe. Well, wasn't um, not having Anderson a lot of trust
0: after the Hollywood Brown it, injury, wasn't it? Right,
2: that- right, but I, I think that happened so fast. I wouldn't be surprised if had Hollywood Brown not gotten hurt, that would have still been something they would look would would have looked into because it was quite clear that Anderson wanted out of Carolina. You weren't going to have to give up a lot for him. Um, A.J. Green, he did not play in what was that the Thursday night game against the Saints. He had, I believe, one snap this past Sunday yep. against the Seahawks. Correct. So. I'm not disagreeing with that philosophy at all, Paul. The Cardinals did that, I think, by if you're going to keep making the mistakes, there has to be a change. They made that change for Robbie Anderson. It's just unfortunate that in three games he has one reception for minus four yards.
1: Well, and the other thing, too, is, again, who are we talking about? Who's sitting on the bench that needs to be in there to replace whoever we're talking about?
0: I'm I'm just – you know, I'm just – Passing along uh, look, what was said I, by a former I, Cardinals quarterback. I what I'm, Drew not, I'm not saying. saying there's a ton of depth and there and, are guys just ready also, to replace others. I'm I know. also
1: gonna say this, like if in, during practice during the week everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing.
2: That's fair.
0: <laughs> but but you know, for example a Bruce Arians, and he's far from the only coach to do this, had the accountability board. And yeah, it included I, it included right. both practice and the games. You're right. And so, you know, how many of these mental mistakes in the games? I'll give you an example. You know, here's the other thing. We're now into November, and even the most steadfast and ardent of head coaches when it came to rookies, like a Ken Wisenhunt. When you start getting around Thanksgiving, you start seeing more and more of the rookies in that draft class. And we have my J. Sanders, Cam Thomas, and I thought Cam Thomas had some good pass rushes he, he graded very high in he did pro football focus okay. i just kept noticing him from the sideline is just driving his man straight back into the pocket and collapsing the pocket with regularity he didn't get home but i i know he was a problem uh, trey mcbride you know at what point is it realistic to think that your round two rookie needs to be productive because how can you not watch monday night football and you see isaiah likely With another touchdown catch, the round four tight end out of Coastal Carolina. Isaiah Likely had a really nice preseason game when Baltimore came into town in mid-August. Isaiah Likely, who the week before had six grabs for 77 yards, I looked it up, and a touchdown. He's been a real effective weapon, along with Mark Andrews for Lamar Jackson. It'd certainly be nice to see Trey McBride.
1: Well, but but I'm going to, because I'll be honest, I don't know the answer to this. Is the reason Trey McBride isn't productive right now? just Trey McBride are they even looking to throw to him are they even putting him in those positions I mean Trey McBride's playing he's playing he's playing he's playing the Max Williams snaps so is that not a a spot where you're letting him go out for passes is he mainly blocking Uh, those that that would be what I would need to know before I went overboard and saying okay why is Trey McBride not
0: if you have a working list of questions, Darren, why don't you add that to the, the Wednesday uh, for head coach? I can do that. Because anytime I have a question, I'm afraid to ask. I just foist it on you. Okay, <laughs> you and Lou? <Grealu. laughs>
2: that's good. Not me.
0: All right, Danny. I'll go. I'm going to start sending you. I'm going to no, start texting do you that. some of the questions over no, there. No, send them to Darren. Yeah. Because conveniently, see, I'm in the locker room doing interviews. I'm not actually in the press conference. Yeah, that's the ticket. That's the answer. <laughs> I'm not actually there in attendance, so that's my plausible excuse, and I'm sticking with it. I what mean, about the D Hop As Paul. long as we're talking about targets in the passing game, yeah. D hop. What do we make of the fact that D hop had only three targets after the opening drive? Although we did have a touchdown catch wiped out by Robbie Anderson with a false start before the Zach Ertz touchdown catch late fourth quarter.
2: Only one in the second half. Wow. I have no idea why. Why when when he has been all oh, reliable for you, how is the ball not finding him? I mean, and it's not even he wasn't making catches; he wasn't being targeted.
1: Yeah, I mean, part of it was that they didn't have the ball for a lot of plays, unfortunately, for a chunk of that. But I, I 100% agree. I'm not really sure exactly what happened there or or why he wasn't he wasn't
0: targeted. He just wasn't. I don't have the plot chart of where he lined up. I don't know how many different positions and left versus right. I will say this: Every time he went to the left side of the Cardinals' offense, there was Tariq Woolen that waiting for him. That was going
2: to be my question: Where they matched up the whole game, the rookie.
0: When he went to the left side, because Tariq Woolen is restricted to the right side of the Seattle defense, and we knew that coming in, that's where he's played all year. And so, sure enough, every time D Hop would go to the left side, there was the six-four rookie corner who runs the four-two-six. Over D hop and he was effective. There's no question about it. Now the touchdown catch and run 22 yards was a drag across the middle and Kyler did a really nice job of extending the play. By the way, speaking of that Baltimore game because I I don't know about you guys, but I I like watching Lamar Jackson and although they're not identical players, I like seeing what Greg Roman and Baltimore does with Lamar Jackson. Because I know Cliff Kingsbury has stolen, just ripped off some plays out of the Lamar Jackson playbook and used them for Kyler at times. And Tyron Matthews' quote after the game, the former Cardinal was, and this, this was props to Lamar. It, Tyron said, what makes it so difficult playing Lamar is traditionally you cover for three to four seconds and the play is over. But a guy like that is a 7, eight, nine second cover. See, the Cardinals at their best on offense, they turn Kyler into that guy. The seven, eight, nine second cover. They somehow get him out on the move, or he's escaping the rush and still keeping his eyes downfield. Too often, Kyler's on the move for the wrong reasons, for self preservation, but then is he truly still able to keep his eyes down the field like a Lamar Jackson has been able to do this year and be so effective that way? And so, to me, that's when the Cardinals' offense is at its best. And when you talk about the regression of the offense this year, and by the way, we're still selling the Moga hats here on election day. Make offense great again. We're busted those out from the end of last year. The Moga hats make offense great again. Uh, in this in this election year, uh, guess what? I would vote for more Kyler outside the pocket and let him extend these plays and make it a seven, eight, or nine second cover.
2: You know what I think about though when I see Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes have those seven, eight, nine second plays as if they're extending the play, getting outside the pocket. Even if they're only running three or four yards, they have a receiver who is there for a shovel pass or something quick. Some some quick outlet of, hey, I'm not going to get as far as I thought with my legs. Here you go. The Cardinals don't have that. They haven't had somebody who has just kind of constantly been there, been open or been reliable for Kyler Murray. I feel like that's obvious. And watching who he's throwing to and what throws he's making is just that trust. And it doesn't necessarily feel like there is a lot of confidence between Kyler Murray and a lot of those receivers because there has been so much miscommunication. We will never know whose end that's on from the plays being called on you know, some of the interceptions or near interceptions that have been thrown or what have you. Um, but that's what I think of when I see players like Jackson or Mahomes when they're doing those long plays and they're running is – they have a Travis Kelsey, or they they have these players that are are there and can create space and have that chemistry with their quarterback to get open on the field as that uh, if needed.
1: Maybe. I mean, I, I think I think Hop's supposed to be that guy. And by the way, I called up the chart. Unfortunately, they only chart the targets, mm. so we don't know all the non-targets. Gotcha. But on he was only on the right side on one of the five targets. The touchdown came on the, the pass the right side, but he came from the left slot. Gotcha. Uh, I, I'd also say that again. To Paul's point about getting Kyler, I mean, 95% of the plays, maybe 90, of Lamar or Patrick Mahomes making a seven and nine second cover, that's because the play broke down and they're just running around back there until they find a guy to do it. It's not like... It's set up to be a seven second cover. It's, they've turned it into that because of their ability. Mm-hmm. And Kyler does that too. The problem is, is you don't have enough, to, in my opinion, you don't have enough of the other stuff with Kyler in, in, in regular time. That's at least right now. I mean, I think you've seen it in the past, but like right now, yeah. it's, it's a killer that this team can't get the ball down the field. Yeah. I mean, they can't get yeah. a 20 yard, 20, 20 yards in, in the air. Pass down the field I mean it's it's basically disappeared
0: the intermediate passing game almost non-existent the chunk play passing game is non-existent I mean they're the only team in the NFL without a 40 plus yard pass play all season long and here's another problem for the Arizona Cardinals offense if you ask me it's a symptom of of what's gone wrong Kyler Murray as your leading rusher yet another game that's when he's been the leading rusher this year it's been four times and the Cardinals are 0 and four I think there's a direct correlation between when Kyler's the leading rusher and how productive the Cardinals are on offense, which is to say not very because they're not very balanced.
1: That's hilarious, though, because remember coming into this season, if you looked at the stats, it was always if Kyler has X amount of rushes or
0: rushes for a number of yards, they're always successful. Those would
2: have been what off the top of my head? Both Seattle games?
0: The Eagles, he actually, or no, was Seattle week six. He ran 10 times for 100 yards because he ripped off a, a really long run. And they obviously lost that game now. You know, so, but the other games, he hasn't been anywhere close to 100 yards. So it's been more really a failing of the traditional ground yeah, game. That's true.
1: And, and, and that, again, where were they productive last year? The, the, where were they most productive last year? It was the early part of the year when Chase Edmonds and James Conner were really effective as a tandem running the ball and, and complementing the pass game. And, uh, you know, we're going to uh, Los Angeles this weekend, and that game, that regular season game in Los Angeles, it was so obvious that the running game was just dominant. That's why Aaron Donald couldn't do a lot, and it's why they had control of that game is because James Conner and Chase Edmonds were awesome.
0: In fact, I looked it up. For Cliff's TV show, it was 40 rushes for 216 yards in that week four win at the Rams a year ago. Cardinals came in and they lined it up and they just played straight ahead, just smash mouth run game football. And it was very effective because teams that have had success against Aaron Donald, usually it's going right at him.
2: I don't think that this is because they don't have Chase Edmonds this year. I don't, I don't think that's the right evaluation oh, I, I, would, I think I, agree. I think they could get the same thing with James Conner and Eno Benjamin. This team just can't find a way to one, really get the lead, and two, when they have the lead, hold on to it. So they can't be balanced. They're not running the ball as much as I'm sure they would like. And that obviously affects everything when you're constantly playing from behind. Now the way the offensive line has played the last couple of weeks, there really hasn't been much space for those runners to go to begin with. But I think you have the pieces with James Conner and Eno Benjamin to have that same success. They just the opportunity is not there to use the run game the same way you did last year.
0: So I mean, especially with this, you know, compromised interior offensive line, what's realistic?
1: I mean, I think that's a great question. If, I mean, if,
0: you're, if you're still looking at Cody Ford, Billy Price, and LaCeda Smith, and or Max Garcia. Can you really line it up and try and run between the tackles? I mean, James Conner did a heck of a job trying to extend, you know, keep plays alive. But, you know, unless you're Barry Sanders and you're able to make eight guys miss on a single play, good luck. So I'm not sure. And and that sort of brings, that sort of leads into a bigger question. You know, how much change is necessary right now? And are you capable of that sort of significant change? I'm just going to take a guess. The mailbag this week. I'm guessing there were there was a theme, and it's probably okay. What's going to change? You're three and six. There needs to be change, but can there realistically, plausibly, be changed? A, you're
1: right. That was the main theme, and B, very, very disappointing. You haven't read it yet. I mean, I don't know what the hell. Paul's a busy man. I share
2: an office with him. He's very busy.
1: You didn't read it either, did you?
2: I'm very busy, (laughs) Darren. Usually, honestly, usually I do read
1: it before Uh, the podcast. No, I mean, yeah, obviously that's look, and I I get it.
0: And by the way, the last time I I did read it, I noticed that I was called short in the column. (laughs) By me? Yeah, it was uh, there was it was a response to someone, and Darren's response was yes, indeed, Paul is short and dot dot dot, and then he went on to make another point. I'm like, really? Okay, I'm <laughs>
1: did, not
2: did, reading did the mailbag in the solidarity, the with Paul. Was, yeah, okay, it was
1: something, that's, that's I don't know. why you're not reading. It. Okay, <laughs> I mean, I, I will say anyway. That, go ahead. You know, look, there's a lot of angry people, and some
0: of them like to reach out through the mailbag.
2: One of them is Paul. <laughs> yeah, apparently. that's
0: right. How do you know? You don't know which one of those are for me for my burner <laughs> my burner accounts. Um, Paul,
2: I wish you yeah. had a burner account. Uh, (laughs) I wish.
0: You're right. (laughs) Um, Look,
1: I understand people want, they are wondering about change and trying to figure out about change and whether there's going to be change. And I know there's going to be talk about it. And Paul, you and I have been around this team for a long time and we've gone through it multiple times. And, you know, I I just, I'm going to say the same thing here that I said on the mailbag, which is I, I think at this point you're trying to figure out where this is after the season. And you, you evaluate when it's over. Now, obviously things are fluid and things can change. And I'm not saying that we get to December and, and the thought process doesn't get impacted. But for the most part, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's a big upside without yeah. without letting it play out, especially in the current circumstances.
0: So, the presence of hard knocks does that make it any more or less likely there will be change? Well. I, I don't know, I mean...
1: Meaning, do you think... No, I know what you mean, I just don't know. Are
0: you less likely to make some sort of organizational changes because it'll all be documented by the cameras and broadcast to a worldwide audience? Or are you more apt to be in favor of change to try and right the ship and get a spark this season because Hard Knocks is there?
2: Well, I get I get why that would be a thought, Generally when teams make a massive change midseason do they really have success so if if your thought process is we've got the cameras on us let's let's go all in i i mean sure that would get you views i guess as what people might think as a dumpster fire but it's it's, it's not nece- it's not like when when teams make some sort of big move that typically it results in a quick 180 and all of a sudden you're fighting for a spot in the playoffs
0: i mean carolina got an instant boost but that's usually what it is it's a one week boost what they call it you dead, get some hope and yeah, then what they call in the stock out. market the dead cat bounce you get that right out of the gate and then you regress back to the mean and where exactly you were and that's exactly what carolina has done um here's the thing H- historically you're right danny but a year ago the colts were struggling and along came hard knocks and they ripped off four out of five or five out of six and then of course they flopped at the very end of the year but it was a catalyst and it has been cited by both Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime as one of the reasons they were in favor of hard knocks because it, it did bring a little spark to that locker room for the Colts.
2: Maybe having the cameras but I don't know if you're if you're looking to make some sort of organizational change if that would be affected, or that decision would, you know, be affected by having the hard knocks cameras. Hopefully, having the cameras and accountability, and whether or not the players watch, knowing they're being watched, maybe that's yeah. But that'll the be cameras thing. were around.
1: I mean, first of all, they've been around for a while, and then, yeah. I mean, the the thing. The first episode premieres this week. The Seattle game is the first episode. Yeah. So
0: so you knew going into the Seattle game it was all going to be there yep. in all its glory yeah, for everyone to consume yep. on a Wednesday night on HBO. So, yeah, it's a valid point. Um, in fact, the Cardinals tweeted out the clip from the post-game locker room against Philadelphia where Buda Baker was beyond passionate and everyone was on a knee. And the team captain was up on both feet, with, both feet with both arms flailing. Thank you. And there he was. And it was interesting because I was curious whether that was actually going to be released or not because you guys heard it in the press room. At least you could hear it sort of hear the echoes of someone shouting. I could hear it from where I was in the postgame radio. I wasn't exactly certain who it was, but you couldn't mistake that there was a player. Oh, I, I had heard a couple of days, yeah. uh, a day or two after that, exactly what happened. Yeah. And and actually, on the record, uh, not only Cliff Kingsbury cited a speech, quote-unquote, by Buda Baker, but then guys like A.J. Green and some other, during interviews at their locker, had cited a passionate speech by Buda Baker. So you could sort of figure out, okay, who that person was, but now you can see it. It, it is there. You go to the Cardinals' Twitter, and it's pretty powerful stuff. Uh, and sure enough, the Cardinals did end the home-losing skid, the very next home game, against the Saints – But now you're without Buddha once again, and you're looking at eight games down the stretch they come, and you're going to find out, I think, right away, especially at L.A., against Sean McVay, who's won 12 of his 13 games against three different Arizona Cardinals head coaches, including the playoffs, against a system that historically has given you problems. Just that Sean McVay system has been hard for the Cardinals defense to fit for whatever reason. And obviously Aaron Donald has presented problems such that, this is my opinion, I think sometimes it freaks out Kyler Murray if 99 is busting through the A and B gaps. And if that's the case early in the game, yeah. It, it would
1: freak me out, Paul. Yeah.
0: So, um, you know, there there's a lot that's going to be on display here on Week 10 at SoFi, and the cameras are going to be there every step of the way. So here, uh, twas the night before the debut of Hard Knocks, I'm curious, A, what else is going to be released, and B, what sort of light it's going to put that locker room in and whether it could be a catalyst. If guys don't like the way they're being portrayed on camera in the final edit, <laughs> um, okay, I don't know. Will guys play even that much more angry on Sunday?
2: Look, I think at this point, bottom line is it's it's not going to do any more harm than good. I mean, you you know what I mean? They're already playing the way they're playing. They're already feeling However, they're feeling in the locker room. And they've had up until the last like week, it was more of a skeleton crew, not as many. And then last week, ramped it up. So I, I don't think having them here is going to necessarily, it's not like they're doing so well that that could be a distraction by any means. I would imagine a lot of these players at this point are just trying to imagine they're not there.
0: <laughs> all right. So you guys tell me, um, let's see here. Just a, I'm just going to name a couple of names and then you tell me where this is all going. Robbie Anderson.
2: Oh, boy. Where is this going?
0: Where is this going? What, oh. what, do, you, what do you do right now if you're the Arizona Cardinals? Oh, I thought Cardinals? we were
2: playing a game where you were going to no. like name a bunch of players and we wow. had to guess the common denominator. No, no,
0: no. I'm just uh, individual names here. <laughs> you tell me what's next for this player oh. the rest of this season with the Arizona Cardinals, Robbie Anderson. I mean, he's got to have like five catches this weekend, doesn't he?
2: You, you hope Hollywood Brown comes back soon? I mean, that's harsh, but I don't... Yeah.
1: Here's the thing. When Hollywood Brown comes back, and he's got to at least miss uh, this game. I think this is his fourth game. And then we'll see what happens. I don't know if he's going to be able to come back for the Mexico game, but uh, we'll see. Um, you're talking about Robbie Anderson essentially being, what, the fifth pass catcher? If you're not counting James Conner. Hop, Rondale Moore... Um, Hollywood Brown, Zach Ertz are right. all going to be ahead of Robbie Anderson.
0: Yep. But once again, it's it's his presence as that outside speed guy, especially minus Hollywood Brown, that was supposedly so critical because you were going to use D-Hop in a different way. And we have seen that. And I think that's one of the other reasons. As soon as Hollywood Brown went down at the end of the Seattle game week six – on the verge of of D Hop coming back. See, it wasn't just D Hop's return. It was how they were going to use him now that they had Hollywood Brown, which is one of the reasons they went after Hollywood Brown, because they figured out in the offseason self scouting, we got to do something different with D Hop. And if we do, we need the outside speed guy. And then all of a sudden D Hop's coming back. They don't have the outside speed guy and Hollywood Brown. Boom. Robbie Anderson's available. Go get him.
2: But if you're playing the Cardinals and you're looking at film, are you really going to have to game plan any differently from what you've seen with how they utilize Robbie Anderson? I mean, that the point of bringing him in was so you could have him create that space with that speed and make these big plays, and it's not like the Cardinals are even getting close to having that that, accomplished. And that's
1: the thing is that guy, teams are still going to worry about hop first. So you've got to turn that guy into a playmaker. He's got to make plays because it's not like him being out there means D hop's going to have easier coverage. It just means they, you know, hopefully he can get some separation. So I, I don't, I don't know what's going, going to go on there. I mean, obviously they've, they've tried, they tried to throw it long to him a couple of times. Uh, there was one well over his head and out of bounds. His first game, uh, there was, cl- there was the one where Kyler couldn't step up in the pocket and through the interception in in Minnesota. Um, I mean, you, Yo. Just stinks. And, and the thing is, Minnesota, I think he would have been open. Like, if he would have had room to throw that ball, yeah. I think Anderson had gotten yeah. open deep behind the defense. Yeah.
0: Trayvon Mullen. There's another name I'm throwing out. Yeah. What do you think? Mullen, does he become a more integral part of this defense anytime soon?
2: I, I don't think so, unless it's required from an injury of some sort. I don't know why you... Would change the way you're using Byron Murphy, Antonio Hamilton, and Marco Wilson to fit Trayvon Mullen yeah, at this point.
1: I would agree with that. It's, it would be, have to be injury related, or with Buddha being out, do you need an extra defensive back and you try? But yeah, at this point, I wouldn't.
0: How about the two new guys, Tristan Hill, the defensive tackle, and then oh boy, Kamu Grujay Hill? Is okay, that, well, am, I, am well, I doing that correctly? Well, correct? well what he, that? he had he
2: had some good plays on special teams. Yes. He
0: did. Well, that's
1: all he played was special teams. But yeah, that's. He, he did play 12 special team snaps. Uh, Tristan Hill was uh, inactive. Uh, you know, I, I think I think having Tristan Hill was one of those, hey, he's available on waivers, let's put a claim in. Oh, we got him, good. Maybe we can look at him at some point. And also Jonathan Ledbetter was dealing with a ribs injury. Ledbetter ended up playing and actually played pretty decently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Hill ended up being inactive. You know, I, I think they like what... Uh,
0: group. Guru J Hill. Grujay. J. Okay. Guru J. Guru Hill. J Hill.
1: Yep. Uh, I think they like what Guru J Hill does on special teams especially. Um and then, you know, again, you're looking at both those guys are gonna be free agents after the year. Like they've got so many guys they've brought in this year. That it's not like they've got them on contracts lasting beyond this year. They're they're all guys they're going to have to figure out what they want to do. And the and the one guy they do have under contract, Robbie Anderson, is getting paid twelve million dollars next year. And you're not paying Robbie Anderson twelve million dollars, so he's probably going to be released, or they're going to have to redo his contract or something like
0: that. Yeah, he's costing you around seven hundred grand this year, Robbie Anderson. And we looked at it beforehand just to confirm. So it's a nineteen plus million dollar cap hit to Carolina, by the way, on and Robbie Anderson. Hashtag ouch. On that one. Speaking of contracts, and here's my last thing I'll bring up. Between now and Christmas, could there be something under the tree in the form of a contract for either a Byron Murphy or a Zach Allen? What do you think?
2: Those would be two players where, if you're going to get something done, I would probably put those at the top of the list from how they had performed. First of all, how they have progressed and trended upwards the last couple of years, but they have both had fantastic seasons. They really have. And it's been. You can tell the difference of a healthy Zach Allen compared to the last couple years in his career, and Byron Murphy has just done an incredible job shutting down top top receivers week after week this year. Um, I don't know how likely that is, though. It's do, funny. Does, does Steve Kim? Do they have a history of doing that?
1: Once upon a time, before Steve Kim was GM, they there there used to be a couple guys that would get an extension right before the end of the regular season. They weren't real big deals, uh, but they would get a couple of things done that doesn't seem to happen as much. And I would think with both Byron Murphy, Bur- Byron Murphy, especially and Zach Allen, you're talking about bigger type deals. Again, the problem you have these days is as you get to the end of the season, are they going to be one? I mean, you're so close to free agency at that point. Maybe you just see what's out there for you before you make any agreement. So I, I think we're getting closer to the time when, they're just going to kind of say, I mean, unless you money whip them, um, they're going to, we're closer to the time where they're just going to say, you know what? I'm going to see what's out there. Now, again, the Cardinals, you know, could tag Byron Murphy in theory. Um, I don't think they would tag Zach Allen, but you never know. And you, you do have a couple months to get something done before free agency actually happens. But even though you're, this isn't usually supposed to happen, somehow, amazingly, um, by the time we get to mid to late February around the combine, agents seem to find get a good idea of what their player might be able to get on the open market even though that's not supposed to be able to happen. So yeah. you know usually by then, you know guys have an idea what might what could yeah. go down
0: yeah well we, you know as as the Indianapolis Colts just proved, you have no idea what's next. all of a sudden Jeff Saturday could be your your head coach and the owner could be saying something like, We're lucky to have him, and we're lucky uh, he was available, (laughs) which was a real quote from Jim Irsay. So, please, somebody take Jim Irsay's car keys sometime soon, please. (laughs) Uh, That'll do it for this edition of uh, Cardinals Underground. Uh, I'm sure you guys will see you guys coming down the red carpet for the debut of the Hard Knocks. Right, Danny? I
2: I should get y'all's autographs now before that first episode comes out. I'm sure you both are making... A good amount of appearances.
0: The only reason I'm going is because I have to do a little chat session, I think, with Buddha afterwards in the theater. Otherwise, I wouldn't be even be invited. That's I'm just the help. That's basically how this works around here.
2: I'll be there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Is that you got, proving your point?
0: You guys will have your uh, reserved seats, and I'll just be coming back through the back door, of the employee entrance, and that sums up everything here on Cardinals Underground. Brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.